Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Tell Us a Good Story. Today, we have the honor of talking to the former commissioner of the Ohio High School Athletic Association, Dr. Dan Ross. Steph, this man had a job for 14 years that I would never want. But man, you guys, does he care about these kids. When he was the commissioner, there were 832 high schools that participated in sports, and he visited all of them. And I love some of the ideas that were actually pitched to him, like having high school bull riding teams as the varsity sport in the state of Ohio. Some of the ideas that were pitched to him and submitted by parents and administrators were hilarious and got shut down pretty quick. Guys, we can't wait for you to hear this incredible conversation with Dr. Dan Ross. I'm Kevin. And I'm Stephanie. And during our marriage, we have dealt with an electrocution, a brain tumor, brain surgery. Then doctors telling us that children were not in our future, followed by miscarriage, and then Kevin's cancer diagnosis. However, today, we live a life completely healed and restored with three healthy children who doctors said were not possible. And we're here to tell stories that inspire, give hope, and brighten your day. Welcome to Tell Us a Good Story. This episode is being presented to you by Luby Companies, a custom home builder here in central Ohio. Let them be your builder for life. They're freaking awesome. Steph, are you ready for this next conversation? This is going to be fun. We've been told actually multiple times that we needed to have a conversation with this next guest. And now we have the honor of doing that. He said yes to us. He said yes, which was incredible. That was good. Friends, our next guest is very well known around here in the state of Ohio. Since 1971, this man worked in education as a teacher, administrator, high school official, a career that spanned almost five decades. Then, during the summer of 2018, after 14 years on the job, he retired as the ninth commissioner of the Ohio High School Athletic Association. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Tell Us a Good Story, Dr. Dan Ross. Welcome, sir. Thank you for the invitation. And honestly, it's I'm the one honored to be with you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So we appreciate you saying yes. So Dr. Dan, just the level set listeners who may not be a sports fan or familiar with the OHSAA, can you share what you did as commissioner of the OHSAA? Well, the Ohio High School Athletic Association is like the NCAA to colleges. Yes. There's 50 state associations in the country and Washington, D.C., and every one of them has a commissioner, and every one of them then has an organization that's going to run the tournaments, work with the rules that you're going to have in your state, provide safety, work with the officials, work with the coaches. You set up all the tournaments. And you just try to make sure that that high school sports are, I guess, directed the way high school sports should be directed. Now, there's a lot of different ideas about what high school sports are about. And I don't think high school sports are about preparing kids to play in college. Completely agree. I I always looked at high school sports as being the lab portion of school. You got to learn how to to read and write and do your science and history. and, And all of those pieces are number one. But number two is the lab portion is, where do you learn leadership? Where do you learn camaraderie? Where do you learn when you fall down? You got a chance to either stay on the ground or you can get back up and get in it. Well, not only that, like time management, responsibility. You have, you're learning life skills being an athlete in high school that I think is so important. That you'll use every day the rest of your life to make you a better citizen in whatever community you come back to be in. That's the value of high school sports. Absolutely. 
if somebody's going to be a tremendous athlete, the colleges are going to find them, but that should not be our goal. Okay, if we were standing in a room and there were 100 parents in there and they brought their child and you said, okay, one of you in here, because that's the percentage, 1% are going to get a Division I scholarship. One. And it's 1% of athletes, not 1% of the school district. It's 1% of athletes only. And in Ohio, that's a very, very significant number. Right. I mean, you're talking about hundreds of thousands that you're going to have one in a hundred that's going to get a division one scholarship. The sad thing is, is if you walked into that gym and you said, there's only one of you that's going to get that scholarship, the parents going to get lean down to their child and whisper in their ear, what are these other 99 losers doing in here? <laughs> because everybody thinks it's going to be their child. It's so true. And so you don't ever gear your programs toward right. one person. There's one division one, 1% division two, 1.3 division three, which is grants and loans. Right. Mm. So when you retired, how many schools were part of the OHSAA? That's my first question. And then how many sports did you have sanctioned? Well, there's 26 sanctioned sports. Okay. And there was 816 high schools in Ohio. When I started, we had 832. And one of the blessings that I had the opportunity to experience is I visited every high school in Ohio. Oh, my wow. gosh. All 832. Did you ever walk into a school and you're like, okay, this still seems like it's in like the early 1900s. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. Well, there's schools in Ohio. I mean, you go into Northwest Ohio, where you're from, Steph, mm-hmm. and you walk into one of the high schools there. It does seem like you're stepping back to the 50s and the 60s. It's true. And a lot of places like that. And you go into Southern Ohio, you're going to find many of the same things. Eastern Ohio, you'll find many of the same things. But Southwest Ohio and Central Ohio and Northeast Ohio are a lot different. This state is really, really different. Yeah. And it's the fusion of all of those different schools and mentalities is what makes Ohio such a great place. Steph, I remember when we've gone to, whether it's a state track meet or basketball tournament, every year there's schools where I've never heard of them. Mm-hmm. I don't know where they're from. I don't, I'm looking them up on the map. I'm like, I didn't even know this existed. And, and we've lived here in Ohio our entire lives. Yep. And there's still high schools we've never heard of. Kevin, just call me and I'll tell you where it is. <laughs> and, I'll t- and I'll tell you the, the quickest route to get there. All the back roads. So I want to ask you some crazy stories you might have of people who would have petitioned or submitted to have some type of crazy sport sanctioned by the OHSAA. What experience did you have with that when you were a commissioner? Well, mud wrestling. Oh, no. What? <laughs> yeah, mud wrestling. That's a hard no. That, that was a hard no on that, that one. one. That one was a tough one, but... Uh, <laughs> uh, most of them, you know, really were all things that were kind of like extreme sports or things that oh, are different. Yes. In order to add a new sport, you have to have 150 schools that are going to sponsor it. Okay. Mm. It's like boys volleyball right now is club volleyball in Ohio because we never got to 150. And it's, it, I don't know what the number is now because it's been a couple of years. Spike ball, which I know is a big thing right now, but it's pickleball, which is a big thing right now. Yeah. But neither of them have really become more ingrained with high schools. I'd seen two that I thought was crazy. One was a rodeo. There are states that have rodeo. I believe it. I like can see like Oklahoma, Texas. Uh, I can Wyoming. see something like that. Yep. Yeah, I could see, I could see that. that. But we did have that request. 
because there's a rodeo that comes in Northwest Ohio in the fall. And after the rodeo leaves, we always get a request, but we don't have enough schools to have rodeo. It's like seven man football or eight man football. I think that would be marvelous for Ohio because a lot of the small schools can't field 22 or 25 kids. And if you only had to do 15 or 17, in fact, I even went to Nebraska state championships with their eight man to see how it ran. And it's marvelous, but we didn't have enough schools to do it. But when you're a small community and you, and all of a sudden you lose those sports, you lose your identity. Yeah. And so I thought it'd been a great way to help small communities hold on to their identity that on Friday nights, you know, most of the small communities and, and you know from Coldwater being being there that on Friday night, if you're not at the game, you must have been the lowest person on the uh, seniority <laughs> poll for it's being true. the county sheriff or the or the or the, the con- local constable because everybody yeah. else is gonna be there. It's yes, true. The town shuts down. I went to was it Coldwater uh for sales game. And the 50-50 drawing at this high school football game was over $10,000. And I was just blown away. $10,000, the 50-50 drawing at this high school football game. I'm trying to think. It was either St. Henry and maybe Marion Local. Oh, that makes sense. That was a big one. And it was like over 20. Oh, no. But the the JV the next morning was over 10. What? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. I, Dr. I told Seth, I'm like, man, they need a security guard to walk this guy to his car. Yeah. Well, so he doesn't get whacked down the parking lot. I'm like, no, it's country people. In Northwest Ohio, you wouldn't have that to worry about. That's not an issue. Well, and then I was trying to tell him, like, the crowds. He's like, why are we showing up to this game an hour so and a half before it even starts? You want to be able to park so you yes. don't need a you don't need a bus to pick you up two miles away. And you also would like to have a seat. Well, my parents would always stand in the end zone and Mm -hmm. my dad always had a, he wore a specific outfit. So the coach always knew if he had a problem, my dad would be right there. And so my dad had to get to this particular spot. Well, by the time the game started, bleachers were filled. We were what? 10 people deep around the field. Around the track. What is this? And I was like, wait, Steph, are they, they're tailgating at this high school game. (laughs) (laughs) Oh Yeah. I was shocked by that. Yeah. It was like a different world to me. I didn't realize with Ohio high school football. Hello, friends. We just wanted to take a moment here to say thank you to all of you loyal listeners. That's right. We just found out that Tell Us a Good Story is now in the top 2% of all podcasts worldwide. And that's because of you sharing us with your family and friends on social media and giving us positive reviews on the Apple Podcast app and all the other platforms. So please keep it up. And to get more information about us or our entire catalog of episodes, be sure to check us out at KevinAndSteph.com. Thank you for listening to Tell Us a Good Story. Can you tell Steph this story? Because I've heard this from you in the past. There was a kid by the name of Dustin Carter from Hillsborough High School. Yep. And he was a wrestler. He was a wrestler. Yes. Can you share that story with Steph? This is incredible how inspirational this young man was. Dustin, uh, I think when he was five, caught a, a disease. It was like a skin-eating bacteria thing. And... They came up and told his mom and dad that they were going to have to cut off his legs. And it was uh, between the knee and the hip. And so he was in a wheelchair and uh, was told that he would never, ever walk and may not live. Well, I don't think anybody ever told Justin that. Uh, So he comes up and he's going to go play. I'm going to do things. I'm going to try to be like everybody else. So when he got to high school, he was on a scooter. Uh, It's almost like a cart. 
and he would use his arms like this on the floor to push himself through. And he made it to the state tournament as a wrestler. And wrestling in Ohio is a tough sport. Yes. If you make it to the state in, the, in, in wrestling in Ohio, you're a very, very good wrestler. But he, when he would go like this on his cart on the floor, his knuckles would bleed. So the week before the state tournament, the kids would carry him so he didn't have to do this. So his hands wouldn't be bleeding during the state because blood's another thing. They stopped the match. And so he got to the state tournament. Uh, but I mean, just the camaraderie and the love that those kids had for him and he had for them just to help him get to that point was absolutely amazing. He won his first match at the state tournament. Really? He did. He won his first match. And uh, it's hard for me to do this without, because I just think about because I was standing there watching. Uh, there was about uh, probably 13,000 people oh. uh, that stood up and gave him a standing ovation for five minutes. Wow. I mean, they didn't want to stop. He didn't win his next two. But just the absolute courage that that young man and the and the absolute faith that he had were just unbelievable. And then we sometimes we think we have problems, right? You watch some of these youngsters and what they have to deal with. We'll learn more from them than they'll ever learn from us. I can only imagine there was not a dry eye in that entire arena. Well, there's not a dry eye here. Yes, you just I, made, I, yeah, I, you're I, crying I, as well. I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and so am I. Two of the three of us is crying. So Dustin, what we talked about earlier, the strength it took, you know, he's focused, he's tenacious. Like, I know what I want. I'm going to be a wrestler. And then the inspiration he had for his teammates to where, you know, at the end, they were getting on board. They were carrying him so he could succeed. I'm like the life lessons that all of these kids were learning and also teaching the adults that's what sports is about. But even think of the impact he had on his community. Yes. Of Hillsboro High School. The impact uh-huh. he had would have been incredible. Yep. It's down, it's down 73. It's about 35 <laughs> miles northwest of Portsmouth. There's the Atlas. Oh, there he goes. There's the Atlas. <laughs> Mr. GPS over here, Dr. Dan Ross. <laughs> well, Dr. Dan, I remember hearing about Megan Vogel. You remember what she did? Yes. Can we share it? Let's share it. If you can, can you share that story with sure. Steph? Well, she's a runner. She's from West Liberty, Salem. It's up 36. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that she's just north of Springfield. And here's what's funny, Dr. Dan. You could be making up all these numbers. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's off right of uh, Billy oh, Bob Street off of uh, 72. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> so <laughs> great community, but she's in the state track. She wins the 1600 and she's about... An hour later, she's got to run the 3,200. So she was trying to, to double. And she's coming around, and it's on the last leg. And uh, she's not going to make it. She's not going to double. But she's going to finish, which just to be able to compete in the, in the 32 was marvelous for her. But the young lady in front of her from Arlington High School, just outside of Finley, and she was kind of doing the spaghetti crawl. You know how you try to get up, and you just... Just collapsed. Yes. And so Megan stops picks her up, puts her arm around her shoulder, and carries her to the finish line. Mm. And we're talking like 400 feet. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's not like right there. This isn't right there. This is 
she's almost half the stretch when she she carries her to the finish line which she they come out and they get her and, and and you know you're supposed to get disqualified you know if you touch another runner or you know whatever uh and then Megan kind of helps get her into the the tent so the, the EMT people can work on her. And then Megan starts bolting across the, the infield. So I went after her. I mean, I'm, I'm standing 10 feet from this. And so I went after her and I stopped her and I, and I said, young lady, I don't know who you are. Because at that time, I did not know who she was. And I, I said, I don't know who you are. But that was one of the most noble things that I think I've ever seen. She looks at me and she goes, What? And I said, for you to risk everything to pick her up and help her across the line was absolutely marvelous. And then she just looked right up at me and she said, well, that's what you do, isn't it? Uh. And I thought, yes, Megan, that is what you do. But we are not gifted to see that as many times as we probably should. And the other part that I remember that was amazing about Megan and, and what she had done, Steph, when she crossed the finish line, she put her ahead of herself. Yeah. So when she crossed, she came in second behind of this young woman that she carried. Megan was probably finished seventh or eighth or whatever in there. But no, she put her in front of her so that she could finish behind her. Talk about putting others before yourself. All right, Steph, I've got a question for you. What's your favorite book of all time? Uh, obviously, you met her where? Oh, I thought you were going to say the Bible. Oh, oops. <laughs> What's your second favorite book of all time? You met her where? <laughs> a distant second. Totally distant. It's a pretty good book. Sorry, God. It's still a pretty, pretty good book. But we're so excited. Where can people get our book, honey? Okay, I know this. Uh, Amazon.com. Yes. Barnes & Noble. Yes, and? And our website, KevinStuff.com. And, and what happens if they buy it off our website? <gasps> what do they get? Uh, an autograph from us. Yes. Who wouldn't want that? So listeners, if you've already read the book, thank you so much. We've had such good feedback. One thing that helps us, if you can give us a review on amazon.com, we would greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening. I want to brag on you for a few minutes here by giving a list of fun facts. So Steph and our listeners get a better idea of what you've done in your career. So the first fun fact, Steph, I want to give you about Dr. Dan. Back in 2014, okay. he was interviewed by Dan Patrick on the Dan Patrick <gasps> Show. No! Yes. yes. Oh my gosh. Were you so freaking excited? <laughs> How did that conversation come about? Oh, I freaking love Dan Patrick. He's, to us, he's like the best interviewer. Oh, Just He's fantastic. So how did that come about? It came about because we uh, we had a state hockey final. I think we were in the seventh overtime. Yes. Oh, wow. Of a state final. And it was Sylvania, Northview, and Cleveland, St. Ignatius. And those two schools had played their hearts out. And you, you got to remember, they'd played the full game the day before. Oh. So they were approaching over a two-day period of time. They were over 100 and some minutes of playing hockey. They had played 101 minutes just that day alone that day, yes. on the, the regulation and then seven overtimes. Wow. And so it, during the seventh overtime, there were kids that were skating over to the bench and they couldn't get their legs over, over the, wall. the rail to get on the bench. And so there were kids that were having to help them get their legs off. They were, they were done. They were shot. 
So at the end of the seventh overtime, we went uh, around behind and we got the ADs and the personnel from the Blue Jackets and said, you know, honestly, this thing probably needs to stop. It should be a tie. We're going to have kids that are going to get hurt. And so uh, the two ADs, they were looking at each other and they said, are you okay with this? And both ADs said, fine. And so they hugged each other and we all shook hands and we went out and told the crowd that the game was over. It was going to be co-champs. That was not received well. Uh, <laughs> I bet it was. <laughs> and this was that nationwide arena where the yes. Blue Jackets play. Mm-hmm. It was not received well. That would be an understatement. Then by the time that I got back to the office, I don't know how many uh, phone Complaints. calls, texts. Oh. Oh. And it, it, the crazy part is, is it, it was all about winning. It wasn't about what was good for the kids. Well, afterwards, you know, we found out there were kids that were laying in the shower that couldn't even take a shower because they were they were fried. They were gone. They didn't have any legs left. They couldn't. They had no energy left, and they were probably putting themselves in at a health risk. And so, uh, couldn't have been a couple hours later. I got a call from Dan Patrick's office saying, "Hey, would you come on the show tomorrow and explain what happened?" Well, probably 15 minutes after that call, then I had one from NBC. And it was at halftime of the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, Montreal. Oh, really? <laughs> NHL games? Yeah. And uh, we had to explain, you know, because that's just not hockey. You just don't ever stop a hockey game. You just keep playing forever. And, and so uh, that's how I ended up on the Dan Patrick show. And honestly, we just agreed to disagree because he didn't feel like you should ever do that. And uh, he said, well, what are you going to do with the trophy? And I said, well, do you want it? <laughs> For the second place trophy, right? Yeah, the one that they're never going to use. Right. Yeah. And he said, yeah. And I said, well, you send me the money and I'll mail it to you. <laughs> I never, I've never heard it from, from him at all. And I know where the trophy is, but uh, we sent both schools then a championship trophy. So I'm surprised. This goes back to the very first thing Dr. Dan said about the health and safety of the kids, life lessons. Dr. Dan here is saving the kids and the coaches from themselves. Mm. Because in that moment where it's very heated in the midst of a battle, they feel like I'm going to die out here on the ice if needed to win a state championship. But then you have someone who comes in and just saves them from themselves. And then unfortunately, it became national news Mm -hmm. because of a co-champion. And I think after the fact, though, Dr. Dan, from what I remember, people then came to your side and like, okay, now that we're out of the situation, we did really help the kids because after the fact, there were no kids that were injured and you cut it off pretty much at the right time. You know, I think the scariest part for me was I had a doctor tell me the next week, because he was a doctor that was there. He said, I heard from both schools that by the time they were halfway home, because one was going to Cleveland and one was going to Toledo, that the kids on the bus were fine with it. Really? Oh, that's good. But they finally understood that it was the right thing to do. In their best interest. And it was the right thing to do. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, everyone wants to win. Coaches have spent how many years coaching for this moment? The kids have worked for how long? But you have to be the advocate for these kids no matter what. So Dr. Ross here graduated from Columbus St. Charles High School before getting his degrees from Ohio Dominican University, Xavier University, Bowling Green State University. Prior to joining the OHSAA, Dr. Ross was superintendent of Patrick Henry, Pickerington, Avon Lake, Mm -hmm. and was voted 2003's superintendent of the year in the state of Ohio. Wow, that's amazing. He mentioned this earlier. He was a registered OHSAA official for 20 years in baseball, basketball, volleyball, during which he worked five boys' state basketball tournaments. 
Meaning he was one of the top officials For sure. in basketball. Mm-hmm. That means I had a lot of great partners. <laughs> <laughs> they carried you. <laughs> Dr. Dan, I tried, this was before we had kids. I tried giving back to the local community here. Becoming a upward an referee. upward youth basketball referee. And it was probably five minutes into that experience. I realized I don't like getting yelled at by adults. <laughs> Especially when I think I am right. And so I immediately learned, okay, I cannot do this because I can't take just adults just yelling at me the entire time. Okay. What was harder? Being a referee and getting yelled at or being the commissioner and getting yelled at? (laughs) I don't think anybody really appreciates getting yelled at. Yes. But probably as an official. Yeah. Because most of the people that are hollering at you as an official are usually using a lot of words that you wouldn't repeat anywhere or whatever. And they're just caught up emotional. They're emotional for their team and they're cheering for their team. And they think that you personally don't like their team. Well, I didn't care. I, I, I really liked the, the kids. I like the coaches. Uh, I just enjoyed because I thought I could help kids that way. Right. Well, Dr. Dan here was later inducted into the OHSA Officials Hall of Fame in 2006. Very cool. Okay, I have a question. Is there ever been a high school athlete and you're watching him or her play and you're like, this kid has it. They have something that nobody else has had. Are you talking about talent or just an inspiration for what they're doing? Let's say talent. Okay. Let's say talent. Sure. Jimmy Jackson. Oh, yeah. And I had, had the opportunity to referee. And I saw him come down. The kid stopped to take a charge, and he jumped over him. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he's a legend in high school from out of Toledo somewhere. Mm-hmm. So Dr. Ross here, he began his duties as OHSA's ninth commissioner on August 1st, 2004, my birthday. It is. It yes. great day in 04. Yes. Served in that role for 14 years before retiring in the summer of 2018. He was in charge of the fourth highest number of schools in the country. Ohio had that many. So 832 when he started. That was the fourth highest in the United States. I'm shocked by that. Why was that shocking? I don't know. I would think New York. I believe it was California, Texas, New York. And Ohio. And then Ohio. And we were ahead of New York for a while. So we were third. We would go back between third and fourth. I guess I would have thought Florida would have had more high schools. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. In Georgia, yeah. So fourth largest. Then under his leadership, and this is really cool stuff, the OHSAA became one of a handful of states to offer wheelchair athletes the opportunity at state titles when it held its very first state championships in state track and field where they could compete the 100, 400, 800 in the shot put. Oh, that's very cool. So there's probably another experience, Dr. Dan, where nobody in the stadium has a dry eye when you're watching that in front of you. The first time that the wheelchair kids came around the corner and came down the stretch there at Jesse Owens, yeah, there was not a dry eye. I bet. Because those kids had never experienced anything like that. They'd never been to a track meet that they had that many people. And then for them to give them a standing ovation all the way down oh. that stretch, everybody was balling. And kind of a nice side note, with especially with that one, one of the youngsters that participated in that. In fact, she won, I think, 12 medals in the wheelchair during her career. Uh, Her name's Jenna Fessemeyer. Okay. She graduated from Ravenna Southeast and went to Illinois. And she was runner-up in the Chicago Marathon Saturday. She was, I think, third in the London Marathon about a month ago. 
and she'll what? be in the New York Marathon. She's marvelous. She is an absolutely wonderful, wonderful gal. And she was in the Olympics. She didn't medal. She was, I think, 1.2 seconds out of bronze in the 5,000. But she was close, but she's so young. And so she's just starting, but just to have the opportunity at 23 to be in the Olympics. Kevin, do you like to help your friends out? It depends. If our friends are asking me to help them move, then no, I absolutely do not like to help my friends out. (laughs) But what if your friend had a weekly radio show and podcast and just wanted you to tell someone about it? Yes, I could totally do that. That is much easier than me trying to carry a piano down into a basement, which has happened to me in the past, and you know who you are. (laughs) Friends, we are not asking you to carry a piano for us, but if you like what you hear, please tell someone about us. As soon as this episode is over, go tell your spouse, your closest friend, a parent, a coworker, or share one of our posts on social media. However, if you don't like what you're hearing, please do not. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anybody. Just disregard this message. Don't worry about it. Forget about us. Yep. Go on with your merry day. For additional content and longer episodes, you can go to kevinandsteph.com or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening. So back to fun facts. Dr. Dan here, he worked in education as a teacher, administrator, official since 1971 a career that spanned almost five decades. And then he and his wife, Chris, have four grown adult children and nine grandchildren. So what an incredible career. What a legacy. Do you still go back to high school sports now? I mean, I'm assuming you have like a golden ticket where you can just get into (laughs) any high school game for free. But do you still go back and watch high school football or anything like that? I do. I do. But right now I'm working with the Sewell Foundation that's Mike Sewell was the band director in Pickerington when I was there and he passed, but we're working on putting together a band of band directors for the Rose Bowl parade in 2022. Oh, okay. And so we're trying to make sure we get somebody from every state and Canada and Mexico. So it'll be a North American band. So when they come by the review stand, NBC can say we have somebody from everywhere. And that was kind of like my job. Oh, that's fantastic. Can I have one more question? One and more. then we're done. And yes. then I promise we'll be done. Oh, I don't care. I, I, I blocked <laughs> off a bunch of time. Oh, thank you. I'm, and it's going to be so hard for you to pick. But one memorable athletic story from, I don't know. How- I know a good story he could share, but it's going to make you cry. Well, he's already done that three times. <laughs> so <laughs> what is it? There was a story about an autistic student. Yes, there's a bunch of those. And this is, again, where you said looking beyond yourself. And one I think that you may be speaking of is Jason McElwain, the youngster who was the artistic kid. And the coach had told him that he was going to get a chance to play and he's going to get him in a game sometime during the year. Well, Jason's all suited up game one and he doesn't get in. And the the kids are are there and they're all thinking that Jason's going to get in. Jason thinks he's going to get in because the coach told him he's going to get in. But the coach said, we're going to get in sometime during the year. So anyhow, the the season goes on, gets to the last game of the season. And Jason then knows, okay, I guess I am going to get in because it's the last game. And the kids are there. They got signs in the stands. It's marvelous. And there's probably four minutes to go. And Jason finally gets in. And his teammates are trying to get him the ball. So his first shot is an air ball. And his second shot is an air ball. And I know that the coach is probably thinking, what in the world was I thinking? But the next six that he shot were three-pointers. And they all went in. And then he got a two-pointer. And and I think he may have made one foul shot. 
but I think he either had 21 or 22 points in the last couple minutes of the game. He's a leading scorer. And oh if you ever get a chance to watch the video, don't watch the, the shots going in. Watch his teammates. Oh, I bet. His teammates are standing on the chairs of the bench. They are jumping up and down. They are screaming. They are hollering. The student bodies going crazy. And uh, it was really, really touching. And then the game ended. They put him on his shoulders. And they carried him off the court. Oh, my goodness. That's even bigger than a Rudy yeah, moment. That's what I was thinking, too. For him to make 20-some points in a few minutes, uh-huh. that's incredible. Okay, that's a good one to end on, Steph. But when you think about a team, when you watch his teammates and how excited they are for him. Right. They weren't sitting there thinking, well, you know, I didn't get that many points. They were just so excited that he was doing so well. It, it's amazing. And he'll remember that the rest of his life. The rest of his life. Well, so will everybody in that gym. Yes. And if you watch yes. the video, you will too. Right. It's life-touching and life-changing. Well, listeners, for more information about Dr. Dan, he is retired, so... Leave the man alone. Leave him alone. Dr. Dan, (laughs) thank you so much for joining us this conversation. Thank you, Dr. Dan. You're very, very welcome. I'm honored to be with you.